Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello there. This is the tiny little morsel of awesomeness of Disability After Dark. Thanks for coming in to our mini-sode. Mini-sode number six. Mini-sode. I just like saying Minnesota, so I'll stop saying it now. But really excited that these Minnesotas are happening, and I would love for more people to write in about your feelings, thoughts, and desires around sexuality and disability, or just disability generally. Tell me a story. Tell me something funny that happened to you. Tell me something enraging that happened to you. Bring your lived experience of disability into the podcast via a letter, and I'll read it back to you and, and wildly speculate as I do so. This is, this is the Minnesota. Let's jump right in. So I got a letter from somebody who starts their from somebody named Maria who starts their email to me in an amazing way. And if you're gonna send me a letter, please do this. This is amazing. They said keywords colon assistance in sex. And then they go on to say, Hello Andrew, and thanks for the fantastic and eye opening and super funny podcast and the new dives into disability history. So, obviously, Maria is a listener of the new podcast that I'm trying very hard to make work, the Disability History Podcast. There's only been one episode, but I promise there will be more. If you like that kind of stuff and you're into history, disability history stuff, look it up on, the, on your podcast, whatever. It's the Disability History Podcast. It's there. But, but Maria, thank you for listening to all my things. So, they say... When in your Minnesota number five, you mentioned that you would be open to answering questions from non-disabled people, I decided to write. Amazing! Thank you so much for doing that. And I think we, I think disability should be an experience we can all have together and all be a part of. And so I'm glad you felt like you could write. Thank you for writing in and being non-disabled and wanting to write in. So then she says, cool that you were open to questions. So thanks for your time in reading mine. Of course, Maria. Of course I would read your question because your question which I'll get to in a second, is amazing. And then so then her, her she goes on to say, the topic of safer sex and assisted sex and disabled people's sexuality is long overdue in my country, Finland. Let's pause for a minute and be amazed that somebody in Finland is listening to my voice in Toronto. Hey-o! Um, so she says, the topic of safer sex and assisted sex and disabled people's sexuality is long overdue in my country, Finland, but is now gaining momentum with the publication of a handbook on assisting in safe in sex safely last year. First of all, okay, send me the handbook. I want to read it. Tell me what it is and I'll find it. I want to read this handbook. I didn't know there was one and I'd like to, I totally want to know what this handbook is. And then she says, my little bit of background. I have enjoyed being a companion in kink and play parties, and I've been wondering if I have what it takes to work as an assistant in sex. 
whoa, that's a big, that's a big, that's a big thing you were having there. That's that's kind of awesome though that you were thinking about that. So my questions are, what do you look for an assistant in 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 an assistant you would employ to work specifically in assisting in sex? And if you were to mastermind a training event, let's imagine an international one, so I can attend, of course. Conference training assistance in sex, what would you teach? I'd love to hear any and all of your thoughts on assisted sex, what to think about before starting, and what you think makes a professional assistant and what out, what to watch out for. Thanks for your time. Yours sincerely, Maria. So let's back it up and go into, go into the, the bulk of your question because it's a pretty big question that you're asking. Your first question was, what do you look for in an assistant that you would employ to work specifically in assisting in sex. For me personally, Maria, I've never hired a sexual surrogate or a sexual assistant or an intimacy coach for this purpose. And I don't know if I would personally do that. I think it's a great option, but I don't know how I feel about it. I think if we're going to, if we're, if we're going, and as I understand sexual surrogates, they're not so much sexual partners but they teach you more about your body, which I think is great. But if I'm going to get naked with somebody, I'm going to want to have sexual intercourse with them. So I don't quite know if a sexual surrogate would work for me. And if anybody's listening who's like, Andrew, you're totally off base here, correct me then as to what sexual sexual surrogacy and intimacy coaches can do for somebody with a disability and what they can't do. What, what are their roles? Um Someone, someone, let me know. But for me personally, given what, given what I know about sexual assistance, I don't know if I would hire them. But I would look for somebody who. I would look for somebody who I think understands that the experience isn't about isn't about their feelings necessarily. I mean, it, it is, of course. So I want them to feel safe and supported. But it's about making sure that the person with the disability feels supported. And making sure the disabled person feels like they feels like they're okay there. Also, I think the sexual assistant would have to understand what the disabled person may be feeling around sex, what their what their internal processes or views of, of sexuality and disability might be, and what the experience might make them feel before they engage with before the sexual the sexual assistant engages with the person. The sexual assistant, I think, would really have to tap in that there's a lot of emotional shame that comes when disabled people have to consider hiring somebody of any sort. I mean, I've worked with and continue to work with some amazing sex workers um, in the work that I do to get my needs met. I'll be quite blunt about that. Um, and as much as I enjoy the experiences, there there is some shame around it that I, that I would have to hire somebody that way. And it, that's internalized ableism that comes out of shame. And so I think... The sexual assistant would have to understand that there is that there is a lot of internal processes that goes into to agreeing to these decisions to work with these individuals because you feel like there is this, there is a part of you as a disabled person that feels like why the fuck can't I simply do this myself and you know of all the things that disability often sometimes stops us from doing and all the things that we as disabled people have adapted to there are moments where you're like, you know what? I don't want to just be, I, I wish that I could just fuck by myself. Everything else I can deal with, everything else I can learn how to manage, but fucking is the one thing that I wish that I could do without 
help or masturbating or touching my body or whatever it is. I wish that I could do that on my own. And so having to bring somebody in, whether it be an intimacy coach or a sex worker, as necessary and as valuable as that is, there is there is without question a shame that comes along with that. That I think anyone looking into becoming a sexual sexual surrogate uh, or an intimacy coach would have to understand before engaging with the persons. I would also look for somebody who's willing to learn and somebody who doesn't, who isn't coming into this with a sense of as if they know everything and as if they want to change this person's life. I get turned on by people who understand that they don't understand anything about someone's lived experience. And if you came into me and said, I want to, I want to be an intimacy coach or a sexual surrogate or a, a sexual assistant and I want to learn how to do this, but I don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I would be much more apt to work with you than if you came in with some or too much knowledge. Because you don't know what my lived experience is. So you have to enter that space, regardless of what you may, may or may not think you know about disability, until you're in my space, naked with my dick in your face, trying to figure out what we're going to do now. You have no idea what that's like. So you need to be... You, the, the sexual assistant needs to understand that they don't understand. And once you get there, we'll be okay. You asked if I was to have a conference around this. What would I teach people who want to look into sexual surrogacy? Well, first, I would, I and I, and I will, do some more research of my own on, on sexual, sexual surrogacy before I even pretend to know necessarily 100% what I'm talking about, about around this. Because I don't want to, I don't... Your question is the first time I've been asked about intimacy coaches or sexual assistants or sexual sexual surrogacy in a quasi-authoritative way, and I don't know a lot about it, so I would do my research first, but I, would, I wouldn't teach so much as I would have disabled people tell stories. I would have disabled people sit with possible potential sexual surrogates and sexual intimacy coaches and all those things whatever label we want to choose for that. I would sit with these potential prospects and have disabled people talk about all the times that they were hurt, all the times that they were let down, all the times that ableism crept into their sexuality, all the times that sex and disability actually felt good. I would get disabled people of all types and disabilities to tell these potential prospects what sex and disability means and does not mean for them because you need to understand where they're coming from and what that feels like and that's what I would teach. I would try to find a way with these potential people who want to do this work to share with them what sex and disability feels like. Until then, we couldn't move any further. That's that's really what I would teach and I, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a lecture so much as it would be us in a room in a circle just sharing stories. These stories of what sex means to us are so powerful, and I think sex workers or sex intimacy coaches or sex surrogates need to hear this stuff before they consider engaging with anybody who has been marginalized to see what it means for them. You also ask Maria, what what do I think would make a professional assistant? And I think boundaries are really important. I think oftentimes when disabled people engage in sex because it's so rare for them, sometimes the sometimes you and I have been there many times where I've fallen in love 
at the drop of a hat because or fallen in lust or been kind of overtaken by these feelings because you don't get to have them very often so you get swept up in this in this fantasy of, of what it could be when really it's just you're just fucking around so i think boundaries with the potential sex surrogate would be really important um and before you start really think about you know what you might feel in their position or times when sex didn't feel so good for you or times when the ideas of sex felt really good for you and what did that mean for you and then try to take that kernel of that into possibly considering the work um but i really think i think boundaries are important and just to 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 you know if you're going to work with disabled people make sure that they don't fall in love with you and make sure that they understand what your boundaries are and make sure you feel safe in the environment um, and make sure that you that their disabilities are not so extensive that you can't assist them because that's important too i think anybody could become a sexual surrogate but disabilities are different and you have to make sure that you can handle certain disabilities and make sure that the that that particular client would work for you and so to do a check-in before you do before you engage in any sex with somebody or sexual activity or intimate touch to make sure that everything is good is really important storyboard that out is what i would say talk to the person first make sure you and they feel okay Maria, thank you so much for your extensive question. It, that's, that's, that is what I like about the Minnesotans. Thank you, and I hope that my ramblings kind of answered a little bit of your questions, and I hope it helped you out a little bit. Those of you listening, the next thing I want you to send, send in a Minnesota for, tell me something funny that happened to you during sex. Tell me something that only your disability could make funny for you. I want to read those for Minnesota. Send me, send me those to the disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Flood the inbox. I want to hear all these things. I want to hear the funniest thing that happened to you as a disabled person during sex. And I'll read it back to you on the air. So that's the Minnesota. Thanks so much for listening. And we the full episode comes out on Friday. It's a good one. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright, Crippled Content Creations, 2018.